Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What is up, Dolphins? And welcome into the Tuesday, September the 17th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield. And as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we're going to talk about what this program does from an injury standpoint and keeping players healthy, plus the purpose of the tank, the outcome on the other side of the tank. We'll get to the aftermath of all the stats and analysis from this game on Sunday including some encouraging notes on where the Dolphins stand defensively. All of that and more, but first, before any of it, I kindly invite each and every one of you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Tuned In, Google Play, Spotify. We are top 100 on Spotify, top 200 on Apple, so keep that rolling. You can rate and review the podcast. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at WingfieldNFL. Voted the number one follow on Dolphins Twitter by Dolphins Twitter. You can find the show at LockedOnFins and of course our written work including the post-game recaps, the aftermath, the college quarterback scouting reports and new on LockedOnDolphins.com Chris Kowalowski's idea that everything's going to be all right, right? Check that piece out. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams and with that let's go ahead and jump right in. That's another Miami Dolphins Well, I don't know if it's another first down because the Dolphins had issues getting first downs all day on Sunday, just two through the first three quarters. We'll get to the aftermath of this game here in just one minute, but I wanted to start with the tank and the idea of the tank and what would have happened if the Dolphins didn't tank. What was the alternative to this current show you're seeing from the Dolphins on Sunday? Like, what if they had kept Adam Gase? The Dolphins would still have Danny Amendola. They probably would have re-signed Juwan James for $10 bucks a year, who, by the way, is already hurt again this season. They probably would have brought back Frank Gore. Maybe they even ride with Ryan Tannehill once again. And what would that have given you? You'd have the exact same result right now. You'd have an 0-2 team that has two more games on deck that are going to be very difficult in the Cowboys and the Chargers. So you're very likely in the same boat at 0-4 at the bye. But with no additional resources coming down the pipeline in the future to get you excited and probably even some late season wins that will push you up to 3-13 or 4-12 and and right out of the number one pick and the number one spot in this upcoming draft. Is that really preferable to you? I don't think it is. And you can say you prefer that they are just good and had built this thing the right way with smart executive decisions. Well, they didn't. Tannenbaum was an outstanding failure on this organization and his missteps put the franchise in this spot. This is the reaction, not the initial action. This is a reaction to years of mismanagement. And the hope is that the consequences will have us shining on the other end of things. And one aspect that I think garners some watching the rest of the year is the Dolphins' health standpoint compared to other teams around the league, notably in New York with the Jets. Let's compare those two teams because we know that when Adam Gaze was in Miami all three years, even the playoff year, you had street free agents like Bakari Rambo or career special teams players like Spencer Pacinger playing significant reps on your defense that year because this team just could not stay healthy under Adam Gaze and the program that he ran. 
Well, look at the Jets now. Their quarterback is down. Again, that's a fluke. We won't count Mono against Adam Gaze's training camp regimen, but they're down two offensive linemen. Quinnen Williams, their first draft pick, he's out for the game on Monday. Their big money linebacker, CJ Mosley, he's already out, and they lost a receiver in Quincy Anunwa, who got a big contract extension this offseason. He's out for the entire year. And we knew that Adam Gase, I was there, I saw it firsthand and talked to people that saw practices last year. Adam Gase ran a club med type of style of practice. He would hang out with his buddies off to the side and kind of let the team go through the motions and individual drills. Then he would crank it up in the team period. And that's not what we saw with Brian Flores. Those practices were challenging. They were difficult. They had guys moving around every single drill from one drill to another. As they drilled both conditioning and fundamentally sound football, things that were issues under Adam Gase. One, injuries were always frequent. And two, penalties were always a big deal. So those two things are continuing in New York with Adam Gase. And maybe this Brian Flores program has a way of kind of shrinking down some of those injury concerns you get across the league. Sure, there are nicks and bruises from the guys that are regulars in the training room like Rashad Jones. Albert Wilson is dealing with that hip injury. And frankly, I'm just not sure if that goes away anytime soon. That's a significant injury, especially to a player who relies on quick twitch movement. But look at the rest of the team. The positions that usually endure the most injuries, like the offensive line, for instance, nothing. Everybody's healthy. And this is probably the worst year to have this group healthy, but they are on the defensive line. It's perfect. Clean bill of health. Nobody down except for Jonathan Ledbetter. They put him on injured reserve, I think, to preserve a roster spot for him going forward. And linebacker and running back, still just Andrew Van Ginkle. That's pretty much all you've got for injuries there. Say what you will, but Miami has made big strides in that area, and that could serve the team well down the line, especially when there's an expectation set this year from the veterans who are here this year and are going to be here going forward. Guys like Xavier Howard, Devon Godshaw, and Jerome Baker, if they can convey that message to newcomers next year and in 2021 that, yeah, camp is going to be tough, but you're going to be better conditioned for it and your body won't break down as easily throughout the course of the season. That is a positive in my opinion. How about some more positives? We'll get into some encouraging stats from the defense on Sunday. Believe it or not, there were some. But first, I want to talk about player engagement. And many folks are concerned about losing the interest of some of the players on this roster while you tank and rebuild for the future. Well, there's two good examples against that. Three, if you include Devon Godshaw's tweet saying, we will be back, we'll see you guys on the other side of this thing, essentially. Well, two players were very vocal and visible in their exuberance in the game. I talked about Minka Fitzpatrick showing that exuberance. That's kind of the player that he is, so that's no surprise. But Xavier Howard, we're going to talk about how good he was again for the second straight week in segment number two. But Xavier Howard, every time he made a play on the football or blanked out Josh Gordon, he was celebrating and yelling and giving the whole let's go thing. And the CBS broadcast with their audio picked up a lot of the things that Howard was saying. And he was very vocal in praising, well, basically himself. And then you can look at the video I put on Twitter of Christian Wilkins celebrating the Patriots jumping off sides on a first and goal from the one yard line. Christian Wilkins stands up and does a little bit of a dance. So he's having fun. That's the kind of player he is. Those are encouraging signs if you're worried about guys getting disengaged and disconnected from the team and this organization as a whole. And we're going to get into the encouraging defensive stats here in just one minute. But first, the opening month of the NFL season is brought to you by Mack Weldon. 
Mack Weldon is a premium men's essential brand that believes in smart design and premium fabrics. Mack Weldon is better than whatever you're wearing right now, so you can look good and be comfortable with Mack Weldon. And at the end of a hard week, it's great to sit down, take some time off, and watch some football. It's the best time of year. Game-winning touchdowns on two-minute drives, running backs racing down the sideline with no one there to stop them. There's just nothing like football in the NFL, and there's no better way to make the games even more exciting than to bet on them. So do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag. No one gives you more ways to win than they do. MyBookie's got the fastest payouts and better lines than any other sportsbook. Don't forget, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on, and MyBookie.ag is the best in the business. It's where I play, it's where you should play. I wouldn't be telling you guys to bet with them if they weren't the best. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet football this season, bet with my bookie. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you will multiply your winnings. The bottom line, no matter how you bet, my bookie is the best bet you'll make this year, and the NFL season is the best time of year. Join now, and my bookie will double your first deposit when using promo code LOCKED ON to activate that offer. That's promo code LOCKED ON. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. If I see Van Helsing, I swear to the Lord, I will slay you. Ah, 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 he'd take you from me, but I swear I won't let it be so. Ah, 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 you guys ready for some positives as I play this incredible soundtrack from Forgetting Sarah Marshall? But how about some positives from the game on Sunday? We'll get to all the stats here in just one second, but I have a bridge to sell you or something rather. How does that joke go? I suppose that's what we're doing here because we're going to go over the aftermath from this game. You guys can find the article up on LockedOnDolphins.com taking a look at the aftermath from the Dolphins 0, Patriots 43, snap counts, all that good stuff. And let's go ahead and jump right into that right now and talk about the record-setting pace of this current Dolphins team from a futility standpoint. Negative 92-point point differential is the worst through two games since the 1960s. They're on track to allow 816 points, which would demolish the previous high of 533 points allowed. The same is true for points scored. They only have 10. That's on pace for 80, which would be lower than the previous low of 113. They are bottom of the barrel when it comes to offensive yardage, picks thrown, yards per play, sacks allowed, first downs, and time of possession. Defensively, not to be outdone, Miami are last in third down conversion percentage, yards per play allowed. They have the least amount of sack yardage lost on defense, and just about every category you can imagine, they're near the bottom. On offense, the snap counts, Ryan Fitzpatrick played 60% to Josh Rosen's 40%. 38 reps and 24 respectively. Kenyon Drake continues to out-rep Kalen Balazs, and we'll talk about Balazs here in just one second, but Drake goes 34 reps to Balazs' 21. Mark Walton got 10 snaps, and Chandler Cox had 6 on the game. Devontae Parker was the top receiver with 57 reps, 92%. Preston Williams was next with 42, so 15 reps between the top receiver and Parker and the number 2 in Williams. That's 92% compared to 68%. Jakeem Grant played 30 38 snaps at 61%, and Alan Hearns was out there 
for 29 reps. At tight end, Mike Asicki, again, the top snap getter, 35, which is 50, 56% of the total. Durham Smythe had 25 snaps. Nick O'Leary just with 14. On the offensive line, we talked about it. These guys are healthy. 62 snaps for the four offensive linemen. The one that didn't play the whole game was right guard Danny Isadora. He gave way after 48 snaps to Evan Bohm, who picked up the other 14. And Isadora was shipped off to the bench because he had three pressures allowed, a sack and two hurries, a negative run blocking grade. Michael Dieter was in that same boat. He had three pressures allowed, two hits and a hurry on the quarterback. And Jamarcus Webb led the way with four pressures allowed and one sack. Although I say the tape overall gave Webb the best game of those four guys. Jesse Davis allowed just one pressure, but it was a sack. He also was the only lineman on the offense to grade positively as a run blocker. That according, of course, to Pro Football Focus. Kalen Balazs is off to a miserable, miserable start. In addition to ducking under one pass, which I'm sure you've all seen by now, he bobbled and juggled a pass directly into a pick six, one of his two drops. He averaged 1.5 yards per carry in the game. He caught only one of five pass targets, and he was last among all running backs in yards after contact. Kenyon Drake led the way in that statistic, although it was just 13 yards after contact, averaged just 3.2 yards per carry, and Mark Walton led the team with five yards per rush. Jakeem Grant and Preston Williams both had big drops late into garbage time. Big possible pass plays down the sideline. Both of them dropped it. Grant caught just three of seven targets, while Williams pulled in four of seven for 63 yards. I think Preston Williams might be teetering on becoming the team's number one wide receiver just two games into an undrafted free agent rookie year. Kind of tells you where this team is at, and it kind of tells you why we overrated the receiving core of this team. Although I will say it's pretty impossible to evaluate these guys given what we're looking at on the offensive line and at the quarterback position. Devontae Parker, his evaluation, much of the same. He didn't catch a pass. He had seven targets, now just three of 14 targets received by Devontae Parker this year. That's 21% of the balls thrown his direction. One for five. That's not good. Josh Rosen was only slightly better than Ryan Fitzpatrick by the numbers, although if you give him the two drops, his stats obviously increase. Fitzpatrick had two drops of his own. He averaged 4.2 yards per attempt. Rosen was 5.4 yards per attempt, and the Dolphins completed less than 50% of their total passes for the second straight game. Now, if you flip things over to the defensive side of the ball, the snap counts are interesting there as well. Charles Harris, among only six defensive linemen that played in this game, he led the way with 62 snaps. That's 92% of the defensive snaps, kind of unheard of on the defensive line. Newcomer Avery Moss, he was next. He played 51 snaps. That's 71% of the total. Christian Wilkins got 44 reps, 61%. And Devon Godshaw played just 39. That's 54%. Pretty much in line with where his career has been so far to date. John Jenkins played 33. And Tank Carradine is back in the building. He got 31 snaps, 43% of the total workload. At linebacker, Jerome Baker leads the way with 69 snaps. That's only three away from playing the entire game. Sam Aguavin played 64. That's 89%. Raekwon McMillan, despite playing much better than Aguavin through two games, played 36 snaps. That's half 
of the workload on defense. Vince Beagle, we're going to talk about him here in just one second. He had 16 snaps, 22%. James Crawford saw the field for three snaps at linebacker. In the secondary, Xavier Howard played 68 reps. Eric Rowe played 67. And the fall off after those guys was Jamal Wiltz with 39. Chris Lamonts and Ken Webster both had five snaps each. At safety, Bobby McCain and Minka Fitzpatrick both played 68 reps. New free safety Stephen Parker played 16. And Walt Aikens had four snaps on the game on Sunday. And I know it sounds kind of funny to pump up a defense that really allowed 43 points on the scoreboard in total and got thrashed for the second straight game against two good teams. But if you go back to the Patriots' first seven possessions when the game was relatively competitive before the offense completely went off the rails, the Dolphins on those seven possessions allowed just 16 points, which is 2.28 points per drive. League average is roughly right around two points per drive. Every possession is worth two points. Miami was in line with that against a loaded Patriots offense, and they allowed just 3.6 yards per carry in the running game. It earned the Dolphins' defense an overall grade of 80.9, which is green, blue, is the highest greens the next overall grade from pro football focus but the offensive futility just wore this defense down kept it on the field for more than two-thirds of the game for the second straight week again going into the fourth quarter with just two first downs and 38 total yards the defense cannot sustain success when the offense does that to them and Jerome Baker who played 68 of the snaps on Sunday took a big step forward from what we saw in week number one he made six run stops he was part of that run defense really playing well in this game 12 total tackles. He was very good in that area, but in coverage where he's supposed to excel as well, he got targeted five times. Four of them were caught for 65 yards and on five pass rush snaps, he didn't put a pressure on the quarterback. Devon Godshaw was next in the run stop department. All three of his tackles were run stuffs. He too pitched a goose egg in pressures on 19 pass rush snaps. Fitzpatrick, McMillan, McCain, and Carradine all had two run stops each. The foursome tallied just one pressure though. It was Carradine with a hurry on a combined 18 pass rush reps. Zero of those for Fitzpatrick, by the way. Miami cleaned up the tackling. They had 11 missed tackles in week one, just four in this game. And the best pass rusher in the game was newcomer Vince Beagle, who generated more than half of Miami's pressures and pass rushing. Four of the seven came from Vince Beagle. He had two hurries, a hit, and a sack, and he did that on just 14 pass rush downs. Harris and Carradine both had a hurry each, and John Jenkins picked up the other pressure with his sack of Tom Brady. The Dolphins only forced seven incompletions on the day. Xavier Howard was responsible for three of those. The Pats completed two of five passes on Howard for 19 yards, less than four yards per pass, including two PBUs. Eric Rowe had two PBUs also, but he gave up the other four pass targets for receptions, and that was in addition to having three penalties called on him in the game. Bobby McCain played much better than week one. He had eight tackles, two run stops, and zero missed tackles and allowed just one catch for 16 yards in his coverage area. Minka Fitzpatrick, he also bounced back. He made four tackles, missed zero, two of those for run stops, and he allowed just 10 yards into his coverage area. We're going to come back and talk about the tank some more on the other side of the podcast, get you caught up from around the league. But first, I want to tell you guys about an opportunity to go see live events, whether it's the Miami Dolphins, maybe your favorite college team, or a con concert with Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats is an online event ticket marketplace dedicated to providing fans of live entertainment with experiences that will last a lifetime. With Vivid Seats, listeners can watch their favorite teams and artists perform in person and earn credit back on all purchases made through the Vivid Seats app via the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program. 
I'm heading to a pair of Washington State Cougar football games this year. I used Vivid Seats. I got great spots for a great price and got rewards in the process. They offer great prices, an easy purchasing experience, as well as an in-app loyalty program with that Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program. Reward status is ranging from MVP to Hall of Famer. Customers can get from 10% up to 16% credit on all their purchases through the app. Just go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Fans are automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program and will enjoy credits on all their purchases as part of Vivid Seats Rewards. All Vivid Seats confirmed orders are backed by a 100% guarantee. Enter promo code KICKOFF at checkout with Vivid Seats to receive a discount of up to $100. Again, the loyalty program with Vivid Seats. Enter promo code KICKOFF at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100 at your favorite live event with Vivid Seats. And I've been living too hard to believe things are going to get easier now. I'm still trying to shake off the Oh, pain. I love this song. After the game tonight, there's going to be nine teams at 0-2 in addition to the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> and the Dolphins do play five of those teams. So we'll be keeping a close eye on the Week 6 game at home against Washington. Week 8 on the road in Pittsburgh for primetime now that Big Ben Roethlisberger is out for the season. Week 9 and 14 against the Jets. I'm not going to put the Browns in this category, even if they lose the game tonight which I don't believe they will. I'm not going to even come back and re-record this because I'm that confident that the Jets will lose to the Browns in this game. So Miami plays those Jets week 9 and 14. Week 15, they're at the Giants. And week 16, home for the Bengals. And speaking of quarterbacks out and Miami improving its own draft stock, the Texans almost obliged at the hands of Minshew Mania on Sunday, but they pulled it off and now sit comfortably at 1-1. One one. Although Laramie Tunzel suffered what looked like a bad ankle injury, I don't have an update on that yet. The Texans' upcoming slate of games is challenging, especially at the rate by which Deshaun Watson is getting hit. This guy gets blasted five or six times every single game, and you wonder if he's going to get up. They go at the Rams, home for the Panthers and Falcons, which... By the way, did you see that game on Sunday night? Matt Ryan's check to that screen against the all-out blitz with cover zero against Jim Schwartz's Eagles defense to win that game. That was football beauty and a masterpiece. You then add in Jake Matthews with the little pull-out block to take out the defensive back. And then Julio Jones' track speed. That was one of my favorite football plays of the entire year so far. But anyway, back on track here. They go at the Rams. Home for the Panthers and Falcons, then at the Chiefs. I'd be surprised if they get two wins in these next four games. So there's a good chance this Texans team sits here at two and four after six games. Another team the Dolphins have a high draft pick of, the New Orleans Saints, lost their starting quarterback, Drew Brees, for an extended period of time. Probably going to come back after the Week 10 bye week, and Teddy Bridgewater could get nothing going against the Rams on Sunday. The Saints' schedule goes at Seattle, home for Dallas and Tampa, at Jacksonville, home for Chicago, then home for the Cardinals. To me, that sounds like two and four at best in the interim, which would put New Orleans at three and five, pushing Miami's additional second round pick up to a decent level. The Dolphins could wind up with four picks in the top 50 this year. That's three really good players you can put around to a Tonga Vailoa. Is it April yet? 
It's not. But to get you through in the meantime, I want to go back to the article up on LockedOnDolphins.com, the aftermath piece. I'll go over the offensive and defensive snap counts and grades and metrics every single week. And we'll add a third segment to that piece. This week, it's called Tank on Track. And it refers to the idea of how difficult it actually is to lose more games than anybody else in the NFL. Usually it takes luck and injuries to occur for a team to finish dead last in the NFL. Well, Miami made this approach to ensure that no luck could get them out of the number one pick and to get them the franchise quarterback that hopefully changes everything for this team, of course, in Alabama's Tua Tungavailoa. And as we talked about in the opening segment, rather than retaining high-priced talent or even the cheap talent that was due for large paydays down the road like Laramie Tunzel, the Dolphins essentially lopped off the only leg it had to stand on to ensure this team would not be competitive and luck into multiple wins down the road. To be fair, this Dolphins defense did show some bite and had some fans encourage on that side of the ball, but the offensive futility displayed by this franchise right now is just going to be insurmountable. The Dolphins played two of the best teams in the league in Baltimore and New England, so the blowouts were likely, but they're still going to find themselves in games this season at some point. In essence, the Dolphins traded off parts to secure the quarterback of the future. The Dolphins' quest to obtain Tungavailoa is looking great right now as they have five games, like I mentioned, against teams that are also 0-2 trying to get themselves in position for a quarterback high. I don't know how you guys feel. It sucks to have football not be that meaningful for a season, but it is kind of nice to have some stress-free Sundays as we know the result of this team and what they're trying to do. But enjoy it for now because when this team gets the resources to build around that quarterback, things will change under this regime. And here we go. Take number three for this particular podcast. I recorded this on Monday morning and then came back up at halftime of the Monday night football game to update some information I had on Minka Fitzpatrick. As one of my sources told me, he gone when I asked about what was going to happen with Fitzpatrick this week. And less than an hour later, Minka Fitzpatrick has in fact been traded to the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Dolphins get hefty draft compensation back in return. They receive the Steelers 2020 first round draft pick, which at 0-2 right now for the Steelers, if Mason Rudolph is not the answer for the injured Ben Roethlisberger, who's out for the season with an elbow injury, Miami could find themselves with two draft picks in the top 10 in a loaded offensive class and maybe even repair this passing game once and for all. We all know that first pick is designed and saved for Tua Tungavailoa, but now maybe his receiver, the top route runner in the country, the top receiver in the country, one of the most explosive players in the nation, Jerry Judy becomes an option. You might get yourself in on the Chase Young sweepstakes, AJ Epinesa, Isaiah Simmons, Grant Delpit. You can now think about a top 10 pick outside of the number one overall pick that Miami's already likely to get. The Dolphins are in prime position now to secure three very good players in the first round of next year's draft, which of course they will need because the talent on this roster has been absolutely decimated over the last month. That was the plan. That's the plan going forward. And these future draft picks are going to be the deciding factor in whether or not this team returns to prominence or stays down at the bottom barrel of the league. One thing is for sure, this team is not going to be in that middle range mediocrity mode any longer. And these trades prove that the Dolphins are going all in on the future and they're going all in on Tua Tungavailoa. I had a couple more segments to get to. I just want to bitch real quick about my 3-3 and day of betting on Saturday. 
Two bad beats. I had Alabama in that South Carolina game where they had the fourth and 10 stop with a 31-point lead, and then the dingus lowers his head and hits the quarterback, extends the drive. South Carolina scores a touchdown on the final play to cover the spread, and then, of course, the Tulsa-Oklahoma State game was going to go over the entire game until it slowed down in the fourth quarter. Tulsa then gets a drive inside the 10-yard line, but it gets called back on a a holding call, a 45-yard penalty that kills the game, kills that drive, and kills my over. So instead of five and one, I go three and three, and I'm now 11 and nine on the season. So basically milking you dry on the juice. I do apologize for that. One last bit of information here on this podcast. The Dolphins announced on Monday they would start Ryan Fitzpatrick in the game at Dallas as the Finns are 20-point underdogs trying to secure that tank, baby. Josh Rosen's time will have to wait another week, although I'm sure he'll get himself some late action as the Dolphins get blown out once again. So Minka Fitzpatrick gone. It's Pittsburgh Steelers first round draft pick now in our pocket. That makes three first round picks this year, two first round picks next year, and four second round picks in the next two years combined. We're going to come back with you guys on tomorrow's show, do a crossover Wednesday, break down the film, get further into this Minka Fitzpatrick trade, and we'll have the Thursday preview show and Friday mailbag show as we are here with you guys all season long, every single day from now until eternity on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. This team might be bad, but this podcast will always be here for you guys, and I appreciate you all sticking it out with me. Okay, that's going to be it for my time today. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter. It's at Wingfield NFL. The show is at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for a Wednesday show, another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. How can you not love this song, by the way? And if I see Van Helsing, I swear to the Lord, I will slay you. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, 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 oh. It's too good. From me, but I swear